0: Man, China is smart. And their puppets in the government are doing their job. Besides Biden, China is getting its money's worth even at the state level. Check this out. News came out today that GM, General Motors, is buying out about 5,000 salaried employees. As I reported before, they gave employees stateside, and some internationally, an opportunity to buy out their employment because GM's trying to save $2 billion and then they can do this by reducing their workforce so they offered people buyouts, early buyouts. And they gave them, a, uh, I, think it, I think it was until a- April 1st or what have you, to make the decision. Well, it looks like 5,000 salaried employees in the U.S. are taking up the automaker on this buyout option as the as GM looks to cut billions, two billions in cost toward because they're moving toward electric cars. Now, what does this have to do with the Chinese? Bear with me.
1: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today that's shopify.com/system This
0: week GM executives announced that 5,000 salaried employees took a buyout offer from the automaker more than expected The buyout is set to, serve, to save GM about 1 billion dollars the larger cost savings goal executives have said is to cut about 2 billion Now one analyst has labeled the scheme a massive cost-cutting measure while Chris Douglas with the University of Michigan Flint notes that Governor Gretchen Whitmer is, quote, heavily subsidizing electric vehicles and battery production without anything to show for it. Now, here's the rub. Remember, I, and I don't expect everyone to remember every little story I've covered over the last several weeks, but I I, I covered how this uh, company called uh, Gaudian or Goshen High Tech, based out of Hefei, China, is getting 170 uh, sorry, is getting 715 million dollars of taxpayers' money from Michigan in a scheme to subsidize the building of a new plant, battery plant in, in big in Big Rapids, Michigan, and they said it's going to bring about 2,000 jobs. When you look at it, it's about 300 jobs that are going to go to Chinese nationals. Well, if you look at the big scheme here, China is winning because not only are the Michigan taxpayers through Gretchen Whitmer, the governor's actions, subsidizing this battery plant. But it's also going to displace American workers because building battery plants and moving away from internal combustion engine production is lowering the amount of workers in Michigan and the United States as a whole. So China is getting American tax, taxpayer subsidies to build a battery plant, getting national Chinese nationals to work there, and at the same time, taking away jobs from lots of Americans and Michigans because they won't be on the assembly lines for internal combustion engines. And look, folks, let's talk about Michigan. They have... 6.5 uh, million vehicles registered with combustion engines and only 25,000 EVs that are registered. And that trend, outside of, except, except for some highly populated blue places like, you know, new, you know the, the East Coast and, Ca- and some parts of California, people are not buying EVs. It's not even ready. And check this out. I've been thinking about t- starting a tech and car channel separately from all this because I love tech and I love cars. Let me know if you'd be interested in in watching me review and talk about the car industry, automobiles, and technology. Let me know down below in the comment section. Probably wouldn't have time to do that, but I thought it would be fun to have a second channel that had nothing to do with politics. And you can hear me talk about the things that uh, I'm passionate about outside of politics. What's crazy is that their manufacturers are actually working on internal combustion engine technology that would be zero emissions. And in the next 10 or 12 years, they could close to perfect, and I'm not just talking about hydrogen either, other things as well, so that we may not even need electric vehicles and we can continue having combustion, internal combustion engines and go to gas stations or other stations to fill up and not have to worry about recharging cars. Very interesting indeed. Boy, are the Chinese smarter than our people. So talking about blue cities, folks, this is absolutely crazy. I read about this this morning. I didn't report on it because it wasn't interesting to me. But sometimes stories develop and they make them more interesting. So I don't know if you are aware, but the tech executive, Bob Lee, one of the people that started Cash App, was supposedly maybe in some kind of random stabbing. He, he, he was stabbed to death. He was stabbed in San Francisco and he died on the way to the hospital. That was the – or he died shortly after getting to the hospital – that's the news that I had read, and that supposedly he was in a one of the safer neighborhoods of San Francisco. Well, now I'm looking at it, and when I did see it, I, I saw it was pretty late. I said it was after midnight, but actually it was like 2.30 in the morning. 2.30 in the morning that he was out, supposedly for a walk, got randomly stabbed, but here's the crazy thing. Further details are emerging about the brutal murder of Cash App Creator and noted tech executive Bob Lee. Officers arrived at the scene and discovered Lee suffering from numerous stab wounds. He was taken to a nearby hospital where he eventually passed away from his injuries. SF police have not yet disclosed any suspect information or made any arrests. I was in San Francisco about two weeks ago and I went for the day. I flew up there in the afternoon, took care of some business, and I was back. In Southern California, a few hours later. I just, I I used to like San Francisco. It used to be a really cool city. I lived there and my wife lived there. It's funny, we lived at the same time as teenagers uh, when we were both uh, 18, but we didn't meet until shortly after that. Very funny, uh, interestingly enough. Used to be a great city. Yeah, it was lefty and that kind of stuff, but it was a cool kind of lefty city. Now it's just crazy and dangerous. And literally, an s hole of a town because there's feces everywhere. There's actually apps that trap all that track all the human feces on the street. It's ridiculous. But when I was in San Francisco, I got a, I went and took care of it took take care of it, and I got out of the city. It's just a dangerous place and it's a nasty place. And it used to be a nice city. It's kind of a nice city. It's green. You got the bill. You got the water. Uh, you got I'm sorry, you got the uh, you've got the uh, green and you've got the water. You've got changes in to topography. And the weather changes and it seasons. The Bay Area is actually a very nice part of California. Except for the crazy leftists. Well, I don't want to get into too much detail here. But it turns out, this is what made the story interesting. It was actually at 2.30 a.m. it happened. I don't know. Maybe the guy is one of those rich guys who likes to go into buy crack or something. I'm not saying he does. I don't know, but it's kind of suspicious. 2.30 in the morning, he's got a kid. got a couple kids, I believe. But here's the crazy thing. Surveillance footage reviewed by the Standard... Shows Lee, who had already been stabbed, walking up Main Street away from the Bay Bridge at 2.30 a.m. He crosses an intersection. People see him. And they, I mean, there was pedestrians and car people that saw him stabbed and they wouldn't stop to help him. One guy saw, he, he went to them and goes, look, I've been stabbed, help me. And they drove away. Didn't even call the police. He had to call an ambulance himself. So not only is the San Francisco a diseased city, literally... But also it's a city where people don't even have basic human decency.
1: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system.
0: I don't know, I was taught about the Good Samaritan as a very small child. San Franciscans might be well served to hear that parable from Jesus. By the way, Happy Easter everyone. I've been saying Happy Easter as I'm out and about. And I'm just about done with this uh, stuffiness. But now it's not stopping me as much. I appreciate your patience as I get through the news with this, uh, with this congested head. Several people saw him, but this is what caught my attention. Lee crosses the intersection, walks up to a parked white Camry with its hazards lights flashing. Lee then lifts his shirt as if to show the driver his wounds and asks for help and falls to the ground after the car drives away, the footage shows. He gets up and walks back toward the Bay Bridge before falling to the ground again outside an apartment building called the Portside. The video from a surveillance camera in the area then shows Lee walking up to an empty street as he clutches his side and leaves a trail of blood behind him. He reportedly screams at his phone, help someone stab me. Lee called 911 at 2.34 and the police arrived six months later finding him unconscious. He was transported to a local hospital and died shortly after leaving his children without a father. Children plural, so I guess he has a couple kids at least. People saw this and di- That didn't even help him didn't even call the police to, render, to, to have them render assistance. Now, if you're like me, you're probably asking, hmm, what if he had been armed? Well, speaking of arms, guess what? South Carolina is now on track to become the 27th Constitutional Carry State. South Carolina's Senate Judiciary Subcommittee advanced constitutional carry legislation yesterday, keeping the state on track to become the 27th Constitutional Carry State in the union. It now goes. It now the constitutional carry is moving through the South Carolina uh, Senate. Uh, The Senate Judiciary Subcommittee, by a vote of three to two, has advanced it to the full Judiciary Committee. If signed, that will make them the 27th state. The 26th state is Florida, even though their constitutional carry law doesn't take effect until July 1st. Here are the 26 constitutional carry states: Alabama. Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas. Just kidding, I know it's Arkansas. Florida, like I mentioned, doesn't go into effect until July 1st. Georgia, Idaho, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Maine, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, New Hampshire, North Dakota, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Vermont, West Virginia, and Wyoming. I am quite pleasantly surprised to see So many states in the last few years finally embracing constitutional carry. Okay, since we talked about Florida, let's talk about Florida's governor and the sneaky but very smart thing that President Trump's campaign is currently up to. The Trump campaign is urging Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' donors to switch lanes concerning whom they are backing in the 2024 Republican primary race. This comes from a memo Featuring polling from John McLaughlin, which concludes that former President Donald Trump is gaining strong majority support from Republican primary voters against any opponent. And he's also leading against Joe Biden in a general election. In other words, per the memo, Trump stands as the best shot of taking down Democrats in 2024. And they're sending this to DeSantis folks, asking them to switch over their, don- their donation dollars from DeSantis to the Trumpster. The three-page memo, which was obtained by Politico, was reportedly sent to DeSantis donors and offers a peek into the state of the race. It features results of a survey of a 1,000 likely general election voters conducted on behalf of Trump's campaign and found Trump only growing in strength in the wake of his indictment at the hands of leftist Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. The memo shows Trump leading President Joe Biden in a head-to-head matchup 47% to 43%. The memo notes that the figures remain virtually unchanged from the March survey. In other words, the indictments having negative effect and actually may be helping him. And more importantly, it shows that President Trump has a 29-point lead over DeSantis and that the governor is dropping into the teens. Quote, any reputable poll now shows Republican primary voters are appalled, angry, and are Unifying behind President Trump in his nomination. So you got to give it to President Trump's people. They are playing the political game. Not just taking uh, advantage of what we know to be crazy Marxism. But actually smartly going after even DeSantis's donors. Showing that he's slipping in the polls and President Trump is rising. By the way, once again, I need to point this out because this is huge. The average contribution for President Trump is $34. That means it's regular, everyday people and their hard-earned money who are supporting President Trump, not the big establishment money. President Trump represents the people and he's funded by the people, not by big business, big pharma, and other lobbyists. I surely hope President Trump does not, this time around, put big pharma people in positions they should not be in. Got some good news here, folks. Uh, The pendulum swings. People forget this, especially on the left, that what comes around goes around. The Trump indictment has encouraged local attorneys to find ways to use their prosecutorial power to investigate the Biden family business for wrongdoing. House Oversight Chairman James Comer said this yesterday. I had two calls yesterday, one from a county attorney in Kentucky and one from a county attorney in Tennessee. They were Republican, obviously. Both states are heavily Republican. They want to know if there was any way they can go after the Bidens now. Comer explained that the far-left Manhattan district attorney, Alvin Bragg, Bragg's charges against former President Donald Trump, which many legal experts consider weak, have opened a can of worms and set a precedent on how political opponents are treated. They've set precedents now... That we can't go back on, Comer said. He also noted Republicans can expect more Democrat officials incentivized by political gain to target Republicans in the future. And now you're going to start having ambitious political people like Alvin Bragg try to make a name for themselves and go after big pie-in-the-sky federal cases. It's just not a good path that we need to go forward in our judiciary. But here's the rub. The Kentucky Congressman is investigating Joe Biden and the Biden family for nine violations. And that is why they are, they've are they been contacting James Comer to say, hey, we too want to go after the Bidens. If it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. Wow. What a strange world of politics we live in right now. And guess what, folks? We've got a Hunter-Biden connection story here. The United States government is seeking to garnish funds from Devin Archer's account. Now, remember... Devin Archer is Hunter Biden's best friend in business. He has failed to pay $44 million after being convicted of fraud in 2022. I reported on this story before. The exact number that he has failed to pay is $43,954,416.70 odd cents. But I think you're okay if I round up $6,000 to $44 million. Archer, who is a Biden's family business associate, remains in legal trouble for failing to pay those $44 million judgment to the victims he deceived. Among them were Native Americans. I thought the left care about Native Americans. How come they're not going after Devin Archer harder? In February 2022, the convicted fraudster was sentenced to a year and a day in prison for defrauding a Native American tribal entity. Prior to his arrest, Archer served in 2014 with Hunter Biden on the board of Burisma a Ukraine-based energy company. According to... Let me take a deep breath, mostly through my mouth as I'm stuffy. According to court documents filed yesterday, the United States is applying to the Southern District of New York to grant a writ of garnishment. If the court grants the writ of garnishment, the garnishes will have to withhold the existing funds in Archer's accounts. Until the case is resolved, the funds in Archer's accounts are frozen. Do you think that the Southern District of New York, who's too busy going after New York, will have time to go after Hunter Biden's business associate? Time will tell. I'll give you an update as we get it. All right, folks, let me remind you that there are nine Supreme Court justices. There's Chief Justice John Roberts, which is supposedly a conservative judge, but he's voted very often with the left to the point where I just consider him to be one of the leftist judges. Next in seniority, I believe, is Clarence Thomas, the associate justice, who is the OG black conservative patriot. Then you have, uh, yeah, I guess this or- no, this ordering is not by seniority. Then you have, oh, it might be, Samuel Alito, Sonia Sotomayor, Elena K- Kagan, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, Amy Coney uh, Barrett, and Katanji Brown Jackson. Yes, this is an order of seniority. Now, if you'll recall, we fought, I say we, but we with passion, fought hard for the. Gorsuch went through with little fanfare. Kavanaugh, they went after him viciously. They went after a little bit after Amy Coney Barrett. So we have Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Barrett, and they were Trump appointees to the Supreme Court. And we had to fight for Kavanaugh we had to fight a little bit for Amy Coney Barrett. But guess what? They've let us down. U.S. Supreme Court rules that transfer student, biological males, in West Virginia can compete against female athletes. And guess who sided with Justice Roberts and the lefties? That's right, the three Trump appointees. The U.S. Supreme Court today ruled that transfer students, biological males, can compete against female sports teams. The high court rejected an emergency request, emergency request, from West Virginia to lift an appeals court's injunction. The transfer athlete will be able to compete against females until the appeals court makes a decision. The case still can could still end up at the Supreme Court, so they they the injunction until it was settled has been lifted by the Supreme court. It's, it's got to go back and it, it might find its way back to them. The U S Supreme court, this is NBC on Thursday, rejected an attempt by West Virginia to prevent a transfer student from participating in girls' sports. As a result, a law enacted in 2021 called the save women's sports act cannot be enforced against a 12 year old transfer girl, Becky pepper Jackson, while litigation continues. Two of the court's conservative justices, Samuel Alito and Clarence Thomas, noted they would have granted the application. Alito, in a brief opinion, faulted a lower court for failing to explain its reasoning. This is a procedural setback, but we remain confident that when this case is ultimately determined on the merits, we will prevail, West Virginia Attorney General Patrick Morrissey, a Republican, said in a statement. So only Alito and Clarence Thomas the real conservatives on the Supreme Court were willing to fight for this. Everyone else, including the three Trump appointees, folded in with their comrades on the left in the Supreme Court. All right, I've got another update for you. I reported this morning that Jim Jordan is on fire. He checkmated um, the whole Alvin Bragg thing by his subpoena of ex-prosecutor and Hillary Clinton lawyer, Mark Pomerantz. Well, Alvin Bragg has defiantly kind of calling a showdown, if you will, with Congress. And he probably should be held in contempt of Congress for it. House Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan subpoenaed former Manhattan DA prosecutor and Hillary Clinton lawyer, Mark Pomerantz, for deposition. This is what I reported this morning, just in case you missed it. Mark Pomerantz is a, female, a, a former senior prosecutor of the Manhattan DA team investigating Trump, and he resigned in protest after District Attorney Alvin Bragg ended the investigation. Originally, he went on to write a book on the topic, and he had a sixty-minute special in which he said all kinds of things. He he's been deposed and subpoenaed by he's been subpoenaed by Jim Jordan for a deposition, and in that letter, Jim Jordan pretty much pointed out, "Hey." I'm a checkmate you on this. You can't say no to us because you wrote a book about this and you've been on 60 Minutes. So don't say no. Come for your deposition. Well, this is what Alvin Bragg just got out uh, late this morning. The House GOP continues to attempt to undermine an active investigation and ongoing New York criminal case with an unprecedented campaign of harassment and intimidation. Repeated efforts to weaken state and local law enforcement actions are an abuse of power and will not, will not deter us from our duty to uphold the law. These elected officials would better serve their constituents in the country and, and fulfill their oath of office by doing their jobs in Congress and not intruding on the sovereignty in the state of New York by interfering in an ongoing criminal matter in a state court, says Alvin Bragg, who is interfering in an upcoming election by his partisan actions. And once again, it's been established. But because because he used federal dollars to do this, Congress does indeed have an oversight on this. But once again, these people have no consequences for their evil actions, so they continue to do what they've been doing. By the way, folks, just in case you didn't know, my name is James. I am a black conservative patriot. While you're at it, if you've enjoyed or appreciated my coverage thus so far. Do me a favor, like, share, and subscribe. By like, I mean pressing the like button or the follow button, depending if you're watching this or listening to this in podcast format, and subscribe. And also, push, p- press that notification bell on YouTube and share the link to this on social media so your friends can be uh, aware of it. Also, we have a sister channel, the BCP Report. Don't forget to check that out. BCP Juniorette had a report for you uh, this uh, morning. She's working on a report this evening that will be available either this evening or tomorrow as well. Juniorette is my eldest daughter, college age. She just reports the news, does not give any commentary. Make sure you support her on her sister channel, The BCP Report. And of course, we have our other show that you can catch over at therealbcp.com or you can catch at bcppodcast.com or bcpextras.com. That is called BCP Unfiltered. I already did the episode for today. I'll be putting that up probably after I put up this episode. Uh, You're going to want to uh, catch that show, BCP Unfiltered. Okay, that's how we pay the bills, folks. That's how we pay the bills. We don't take on sponsorships. We let you know about our other show and where you can support us monetarily if you so choose. Okay, folks, this is almost laughable if it weren't funny because 13 people died. So, the Biden National Security Council released a report today, and it essentially blames President Trump for the catastrophic withdrawal from Afghanistan. You can't make this up. Now, I'm sure the 13 dead Americans may not want to blame Trump for that, knowing who really is responsible. But here's what the Associated Press is reporting today. President Joe Biden's administration on Thursday laid the blame on his predecessor, President Donald Trump for the deadly and chaotic 2021 withdrawal of U.S. troops from Afghanistan that brought about some of the darkest moments of Biden's presidency, plus left billions of dollars in military hardware for the Taliban and for China to reverse engineer. The White House publicly released a 12-page summary of the results of the so-called hot wash of U.S. policies. Folks, this is by the way, by the way, I'm reading from the AP, okay, from the Associated Press. This is not a Trump friendly outlet. From two hours ago, Zeke Miller and Noman Mirchant, Biden review of chaotic Afghan withdrawal blames Trump. So they're the ones saying this, they're the ones reporting this. And they are accurate in their reporting here. The White House publicly released a 12 page summary of the results. Of the so called hot wash of US policies around the ending of the nation's longest war, taking little responsibility for its own actions and asserting that Biden was severely constrained by Trump's decisions. No, he wasn't. When has Biden been constrained by Trump's decisions? Day one, he ended the Keystone XL pipeline and had 17 executive orders to undo what President Trump did. They blame Trump when it's convenient, they take credit when it's convenient. And they overturned, he stopped building the wall. We're spending millions of dollars by having wall material just sit in the middle of the the desert rotting away. Biden is not constrained by President Trump's decisions. It does acknowledge that the evacuation of Americans and allies from Afghanistan should have started sooner, but blames the delay on the Afghan government and military and on U.S. military and intelligence community assessment. Folks, the... Let me finish reading this last part. The brief document was drafted by the National Security Council at the White House rather than by an independent entity. The administration said detailed reviews conducted by the State Department and the Pentagon, which were transmitted privately to Congress on Thursday, were highly classified and would not be released publicly. Can you say cover up? The White House wrote its own paper and gave it out to the press and said, yep, it's Trump's fault. And literally took no responsibility. Psychopaths and sociopaths blame everything on everybody else. They never take personal responsibility. So once again, more proof that the former vice president and his regime are psychopaths, sociopaths, and Marxists. Blaming Trump. Trump had a plan. They have a plan too, folks. It was by design. You think it was by accident? They just abandon all of this hardware I would have felt much better if they just would have left everything and then bombed it so that other people couldn't use it and I want to let and I want to end with this news story it's not a happy news story but I'll be brief here US businesses are being decimated and small business bankruptcies are up even more than during the height of the pandemic Even before these bank failures started, they've been on the uptick and on the rise, 73% increase in filings for bankruptcy by small businesses. All by design, folks, all by design. Joe Biden and his people love big box stores and big business, big pharma, big tech, and they hate the little guy. And now the little guy is suffering and has to declare bankruptcy. I'll be back with more news. Like, share, subscribe. Ciao, goodbye, God bless, and once again, happy Easter.